With summer closing in, I'm so ready to ditch my cold weather clothes and say hello to shorts and tees. But I don't want to just buy what's trendy. I want to update timeless, high-quality summer pieces that I can utilize for all seasons and years to come without spending a fortune. And now I've got a lineup of beautiful clothes from Quince that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. Like premium European linen dresses, Blouses and shorts from $30. That's what I'm talking about, babe. There's washable silk tops, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less oh than gosh. similar brands. It's actually because they partner directly with top factories, so Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to you. I actually just ordered their linen shorts, tops, and pants that I plan to wear for this summer because they're lightweight, and I'm so excited to get them and start planning my Quince capsule wardrobe for my summer travels. Honestly, I have so much Quince clothing, and I love it all. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com husband for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash husband to get free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash husband when you're traveling do you ever stress about what's happening back home like did you forget to lock up or leave a window open that's why we totally suggest getting simply safe home security today for top-notch security and peace of mind no matter where your summer adventures take you that's actually such a good point i think that is one of the main reasons peyton and i love simply safe as well is that I lock the front door, that I do this as a window open, you can just tell exactly what's going on in your home. Right. And I, I know like when we travel, it is so nice to just have that peace of mind to know that your home is okay. There's also a variety of indoor and outdoor cameras that we've installed. So we have view of our entire house, every entry point. Plus, I just feel relieved knowing that it's backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. Simply Safe has given me and many of my listeners real peace of mind. I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash husband. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Hey everybody, welcome back to our podcast. This is Murder With My Husband. I'm Peyton Moreland. And I'm Garrett Moreland. And he's the husband. And I'm the husband. If you're tuning in on YouTube, please subscribe so you can get a notification every single time we upload. And also please leave a comment. If you are listening on any podcast platform, thank you so much. We are so happy to have you. And if possible, please leave us a review. Garrett, do you have 10 seconds for this week's episode? Yes, I do. Um, I was just going to talk about our lawn again. Kind of oh. boring. But it's not green yet. I'm just a little upset about it. It's the first time that I've taken care of a lawn, like my own lawn. And so I'm still trying to learn. That's probably pretty boring to most people, but I just thought I'd let everyone know. Oh, also, we painted our cabinets black. Oh, yeah, yeah. We did paint our cabinets black. I think that was kind, kind of a big deal. Yeah, that was kind of a big deal because they were white before. Yeah. And now they're not. Yeah, so we... We like the black cabinets, and so everyone was questioning our decision, but they look amazing. They do. They look really good. I have 10 seconds because we I have been babysitting a dog this week, and so if you hear him, his name's Jeppy, and if you hear him in the podcast, I'm so sorry because I don't know how to really t- tell him to be quiet, but <laughs> it's been really fun, but I don't think we'll get a dog. It's true. Real quick, before we jump into the case, I just wanted to let you guys know that our videos have been 
beginning to get demonetized on YouTube because of the content that we are talking about. And there are other channels who talk about the same stuff. So we're trying to work through it and figure it out. But currently right now, we are basically demonetized. And so if you could please leave a comment or on our social media or on YouTube or just kind of engage in any way, that would be super, super helpful for us on our end as we try to kind of figure this whole thing out with YouTube. Okay, so our case sources this week are NBC News, CBS News, and What Lies Beyond Boards.net. And there were a couple articles for each, NBC and CBS, okay. which will be listed in the episode notes. Our case this week starts at Quincy High School in the 80s. Quincy High is located in Quincy, Illinois, and athlete Curtis Loveless is star of the show and golden boy at this school. He was both a straight-A student and number one football player, so much so that when Curtis was given a scholarship to play football at University of Illinois after graduation, a picture of him would go up at the high school under a bulletin called Quincy Blue Devil Hall of Fame. Curtis, who was studying as a business administration major at the University of Illinois, was considered to be one of the top offensive men in the Big Ten and actually named as a team captain. He led his team to a championship his senior year, but ended with a bad knee injury which kept him out of the NFL, in which he actually had been a prospect for until his injury. Okay. But his reality didn't devastate Curtis as he had been taking his studies very seriously while playing football in college, and he actually had a promising career ahead of him. During college, Curtis had been long-distance dating a girl named Corey Dietrichson, who was studying communications in Ohio. Corey had actually gone to high school with Curtis, and Corey and Curtis's mutual friends from high school described Curtis as being a gentleman. He was very fun, loving, and smart. They say that Corey was vibrant and had an admiring stubbornness about her. She could be a little spicy, a little feisty, but also just like drew everybody in. Although the couple didn't date in high school, they actually bumped into each other after and were smitten and instantly fell in love. Friends described them as the golden couple. They were both beautiful according to societal standards, and it seemed like the star football player was dating the star girl type of relationship. Okay. In 1991, Corey and Curtis were married just one year after college graduation. Everyone from their hometown attended the marriage, and it seemed as if everything was going perfectly for these two. Curtis attended law school after graduation and became an assistant state's attorney in their hometown of Quincy. Yeah. Um, His dreams continuing to unfold as they both bought a home together in Quincy. So they grew up in Quincy. Both were very successful in high school, went on to college, ended up dating, are very successful after college, moved back to their hometown, and now he's this fancy lawyer, and everything is going great for them. Yeah, they both seem very smart. Corey had actually wanted to be a mother and a wife um, who was involved in her family's life and involved in the town of Quincy that they loved so much. She kind of wanted to be like a socialite of sorts is what I'm getting. Okay. And in 1993, Corey and Curtis welcomed their first child, a baby girl named Lindsay. After Lindsay came Logan and then Lincoln and then finally their third son, Larson. Okay. So one girl and three boys for this family. Corey is an amazing mom. She's head of the PTA. She's involved in the kids' lives, always going to games and recitals. She would play and dance with her kids, just making amazing memories with them. So it sounds like this picture-perfect suburban family. Yes. Okay. And during this time in 2005, 
Curtis actually decided to start his own law firm, and he also became president of the school board. And then he also became a captain in the Illinois National Guard and a part-time professor at Quincy University. Oh, how does he have time to do all this? Right? So he was super busy, but he was following his dreams. Like, he was like, I just want to go do all of these things, and I'm going to do it. Yeah, good for him. So their life together was full and complete and busy, her busting the kids around, him following his dreams. And as Corey was taking care of the kids and also processing the decline of her father's health due to cancer, Curtis was doing everything he could, but that meant he was away from home a lot, long, long hours. So this whole situation began to take a toll on their picture-perfect marriage, and neighbors reported loud and contentious arguments coming from the house, and then it comes out that they both were heavy drinkers, which made these fights worse, and the turmoil continued to grow. Corey's family says that Corey might have had an eating disorder also, and that combined with the couple's alcoholism together was definitely not healthy for her, And meanwhile, she's watching her father die. And so that's not healthy for her. Just goes to show you never really know what's going on in someone's life. Mm -hmm. The weekend before Valentine's Day in 2006, Corey began feeling sick. She was showing flu-like symptoms. But on Monday, the night before Valentine's Day, despite feeling under the weather still, Corey assembled the kids' Valentine's Day cards for school the next day. And I don't know if you're listening outside of the United States. Here we have a tradition where on Valentine's Day, elementary school kids bring a valentine for each kid in their class. They're called Valentine's Day cards. So I don't know if that's like a worldwide thing. Well, I also don't know if every elementary school does it. Oh, maybe. Yeah, actually, maybe not. I did it. I did it too. I feel like it's a pretty custom Uh thing. So anyways, um, she gets all the Valentine's Day cards ready to go for school the next day for all of the kids. And Lindsay, Corey's only daughter, who's now 12, she's 12 years old, cuddled up with her mom on the couch afterwards and watched the Winter Olympics. So although Corey's feeling sick, like this night is pretty normal. But the next morning, Valentine's Day 2006, Corey wakes up still feeling sick. Curtis and she decided that he will cancel his morning class that he was supposed to teach and instead take the kids to school for her so she could get some rest that morning. He would do what she normally did, help the kids get ready for school, and then get them off. Corey did come downstairs that morning to help, but went back to rest in bed before the family took off. Curtis drove the kids to school, dropped them off, and made his way back to the house. Couldn't have been more than 30 minutes he was gone. Okay. When Curtis arrives home, he walks inside and assumes that Corey's sleeping. He sits down in the kitchen and looks over his emails for a while and then heads upstairs to take a shower. On the way to the bathroom, Curtis passes the couple's bedroom and sees Corey laying down in their bed through the open door. So he's in the hallway. He's looking through their open door that goes into their bedroom and he sees his wife laying in their bed. Do you know if she was face down or face up? Face up. Okay. Curtis pauses as he looks at his sick wife in bed. An uneasy feeling looms as he claims to notice that something was wrong. Curtis steps closer and notices the pale skin, the lack of movement. He walks into the room and tries to wake his wife up. He shakes her, calls her name, and Corey doesn't respond. At this point, Curtis remembers that their four-year-old son, Larson, who was too young for school, had stayed home that morning like he always does, and he was in the house. 
He usually stayed home with mom, and he was probably in his bedroom. So Curtis went to check on Larson, scooped him up out of his room, and took him to Corey's mom's house that was just a, like just a few houses away. Just ran outside, took him over. Corey's mom answered the door to her son-in-law and four-year-old grandson that Valentine's Day morning only to be handed Larson and told by Curtis that her 38-year-old daughter was dead. Did he, Has he not called the police yet? He has not called the police. Okay. Curtis handed him off and headed back to his own house to be with Corey. At this point, Curtis calls his boss and tells him, hey, my wife's dead. What? No, he didn't call the police. He later says that he knew she was dead and all he was thinking is, she's dead. What do I do now? Not, she's dead. She needs help. Got it. So he didn't think to call the ambulance. He was more worried about getting his son somewhere safe and kind of handling the situation. Which I guess I could see. Yes. I mean, I'm sure the story is going to play out, but... But it's not... That makes sense. It's, it's not, like, not like... It's not like too suspicious, yes, I guess. Yes. Um, yeah. I agree. I agree. Okay. So his boss is like on the phone with him and he goes, okay, okay, well, do you want me to call 911 and like get the paramedics there just in case she could be revived? And he's like, yeah. So his boss calls 911 and Jeff Barry, a detective with Quincy PD, was assigned to the investigation and the coroner stated that the time of death was very recent within the past hour. Well, he was only gone for 30 minutes. Yes. approximately Approximately. so it would make sense right like that lines up with his story that something happened while he was gone no signs pointed to how it had happened though there was no signs of struggle it looked as if she had just died in her sleep not that long ago but it was the position of her body that alerted everyone her arms were up by her chest, kind of in the air. And if you are watching on YouTube, I will be inserting a drawing of what the position that her body was found in. And if not, it will be posted on our social media. That's Murder With My Husband if you want to go check it out. So police asked the husband if blankets had been like over her chest with her arms bent up out of them. And then when he saw her, had he moved them to like try to check her pulse or anything? And he said no. So how I can explain this is that her elbows are on the bed but her forearms are in the air. So she's just like this? She's just like this. And one's kind of up higher and one's lower. And her hands are like strained, like 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 this, oh. which is normal for a body that's been dead for 10 to 12 hours because rigor mortis sets in and that's when your body freezes up. Okay. So bodies can like stay. But her if she'd only been dead for 30 minutes, it's very unlikely that her body had frozen up that much to where gravity wouldn't just like pull her hands down. Okay, got it. The Lovelace's home is searched and they collect a styrofoam cup from the bed and Curtis tells them that it was her cup and it was full of alcohol, even though she was sick. Curtis also says that Corey had been falling a lot lately, falling out of bed, falling up the stairs and struggling with an eating disorder. Police notice that Curtis seems upset. His wife is dead, but he's being cooperative. He's answering questions. Corey left behind a family, a husband, and four children. After the interviews were over, Curtis drove to school to pick up his kids. Lindsay remembers being told by her dad that day that her mom had died. And after this, the news kind of began to spread through the town. She was so young. She seemed so healthy. Their life seemed so perfect. How could she just die in her sleep? The autopsy shows a small abrasion around Corey's mouth and a cut inside her lip. They also note that That's Cor- weird. It's weird. They also note that Corey had fatty liver disease, 
which would be from heavy drinking. Uh-huh. And at the end of the autopsy, the cause of death was ruled undetermined because nothing else was found. Like they couldn't, they literally couldn't find They literally, why. no. All they noticed was she had liver disease and she has a small abrasion on her mouth, but small, like that's it. Mm, I'm confused because things right now don't point to him. Right. Um, so I don't, I don't know what to expect. They also are like, she was throwing up a lot because of her eating disorder. It was bulimia, which means you make yourself throw up consistently. Yeah. And then also she has liver problems and she's drinking a lot. And that combination is just not, not good. Not good. Um, so had she, had she died because of that? Had she become unhealthy? And that's kind of what they decide. They closed the case. You know, her body was warm when we showed up. Like he it was just gone. Shut down? Yeah. And they're like, we think she just shut down. We think she she just was unhealthy and died in her sleep. And accidents like this happen all the time. They do. Yep. And so they closed the case. There's no sign of foul play. Do you ever find that when you're traveling, you can't help but worry about what's going on back home? Like, again, did you remember to lock up everything or close all the windows? It's so easy for those little concerns to nag at you while you're trying to enjoy your trip. And that's why we highly recommend looking into Simply Safe Home Security today. It's all about giving you the top-notch security and total peace of mind, no matter where your summer adventures take you. It's like having that extra layer of protection so you can truly relax and enjoy your time away. You guys, I know that when we travel, it is so nice to just have that peace of mind. You know, it's not only for when you're home and you don't want someone breaking in, but like also when you're away from home and you just want to know that your house is safe. And that is what Simply Safe gives you. There's a variety of indoor and outdoor cameras we've installed. So we have a view of all our entry points. Plus, Simply Safe was named Best Home Security System 2024 by the U.S. News and the World Report. Simply Safe has given us and many of our listeners real peace of mind. I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/husband. There's no safe like Simply Safe. We're jumping into an ad right now and I no joke, I've had this question. I think about it all the time because I hate getting sick. Do you ever wonder why some people just don't get sick? One of the reasons you can help yourself from getting sick is Armra Colostrum. Okay, obviously I had no idea that colostrum is the first nutrition we receive in life and is an exclusive source of all the essential nutrients we need in order to thrive. So what's amazing is Armra colostrum is a proprietary concentrate of bovine colostrum that harnesses over 400 functional nutrients to strengthen your immune barriers, your body's inside suit of armor, and the first line of defense against harmful particles from the environment that can trigger inflammation and actually make you sick i'm not saying that it 100 works for everybody because obviously you never know but all i'm saying is i haven't been sick since i started taking it well and the science behind it is so cool armor colostrum strengthens all four layers of your gut wall where 80 percent of your immune cells are housed and it's a rich exclusive source of antibodies that optimize your immune defense during cold and flu season plus in clinical trials bovine colostrum was found to be at least three times more effective than the flu vaccine at preventing the flu we've worked out a special offer for our audience receive 15% off your first order. Go to tryarmra.com slash husband or enter husband to get 15% off your first order. Again, that's T-R-Y-A-R-M-R-A dot com slash husband. 
All right, you guys, Audible is your one-stop app for all things audio entertainment, from bestsellers and the latest releases to celebrity memoirs and gripping mysteries. Audible's library is brimming with countless genres to love and new discoveries to make. Dive into an unparalleled selection of audiobooks and explore exclusive Audible originals brought to life by top celebrities, renowned experts, and fresh voices. As an Audible member, you can choose one title a month to keep from their entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. Plus, you can enjoy unlimited access to a growing selection of audiobooks, Audible originals, and podcasts such as with my husband. Honestly, I love Audible because I will get into a story while I'm cleaning or driving. Sometimes I get so hooked listening to a story, I just end up finding new places to clean or just end up sitting in my car, which drives Garrett nuts, but I'm out there sitting there. New members can explore Audible free for 30 days. Also, this March through May, the Audible sweep you into a realm of intrigue and suspense with their mystery and thriller collection, featuring exclusive new thrillers from their best-selling authors. Their selection is designed to captivate and surprise, ensuring your heart rate remains as elevated as your imagination. New members can try Audible for free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash MWMH or text MWMH to 500-500. That's audible.com slash MWMH or text MWMH to 500-500. Curtis immediately begins taking care of the children or doing his best without his wife. Everyone in Corey's life begins making the adjustments that happen without her. But six months after Corey's death, Curtis begins dating a student that had been in his class while Corey was alive. Uh oh. So that class he missed that morning, yeah. she it was he began dating a girl that was in that class. That's suspicious. He had bumped into her at a nightclub and they had supposedly exchanged numbers and then they began dating. So she's also young. I mean, this is a mm-hmm. college class that he was teaching. And her name's Erica. And she moved in with Curtis and the kids, bringing one kid of her own into the mix. And Lindsay, the daughter, was frustrated and unhappy. How old is Lindsay at this point? I think she's like 12 or 13. Okay. And Lindsay and Erica do not get along. And at one point, Erica throws all of Lindsay's clothes out into the street and is like, get out of our house. Whoa. Yeah. So this new, the student does that to Lindsay. And so Lindsay is like, that's it. I'm going to live with grandma. So she moves in with grandma. It was about two years after Erica had moved in that they married. So about two and a half years after Corey's death, Curtis got remarried to a student. Erica joined Curtis in the National Guard. So they both joined. Oh, really? Yeah, so she joined in there. And they ended up buying a new place in town, finally moving out of the house where Corey had passed. So he had been sleeping in the same room with this new girl. That just seems weird to me. I think I would have... Like moved on, laid laid it to rest. Yeah, it'd be hard for me to it's do that. Tra- too. It's traumatic, right? Yeah, I agree. What was he still a lawyer? Did yes. You know? Okay. Mm-hmm. So he still had his own firm at yes. this point as well. Yes. Okay. So all things seemed jolly at first for this new couple, but it didn't take long for the fighting to begin. Explosive fights, unhappy times. Curtis felt like he had made a mistake marrying Erica. He had rebounded with her and rushed into something that was unhealthy for both him and his kids. That's what he says. Erica felt like Curtis was not the same man she had married. She married this guy and now he was different. So in 2013, after five years of marriage, Curtis files for divorce from Erica and they get divorced. This is pretty recent. Yes. After the divorce, Curtis was once again quick to find love. 
He reconnected with a girl that he had taken to homecoming back in his glory days in high school, and they began dating. Her name was Christine. Around six months after they had began dating, they were married. And 20-year-old Lindsay came to the wedding and actually supported it. She felt okay about it. She felt like her brothers deserved a mom. Everyone deserved to be happy in her family, and this would be okay for their family. Christine stepped into the mother role for the boys, taking them to school, cooking, cleaning, and she ended up adopting the boys as her own. Oh, wow. So it was late 2013. So everything seems to be going good then. Yes, with this new marriage. It was late 2013, eight years after Corey's suspicious death. And Adam Gipsum with the Quincy Police Department was sifting through old files. He read Corey Lovelace's report, a small file, interviews with the husband, children, and some photos, and that's about it. He stopped as he found the pictures of her body, the arms, elbows on the bed, forearms up in the air, frozen. It looked as if she had been in rigor mortis for hours, so he checks the notes. She had only died within the last hour. Adam passed on the photos to other detectives, asking, does anyone else think this is weird? Detectives were stunned. How had no one questioned this earlier? How oh, wait, no one questioned it? Well, they were like, this is weird, but they closed the case. Oh. They didn't figure out why her arms oh, had yes. been standing straight Got up. It. They uh-huh. just were kind of like, well, one, you know. Something it, crazy it, happened. Yeah, something crazy happened. It, it could happen. So everyone now, eight years later in the police department is like, what were we doing? Yeah. Like, this is weird. They take the file back to the original doctor and asked her to review her report. She reviews it and says, no, this is correct. Like, this is what, this is right. They decide they want to do another autopsy, but they find out that Corey had been cremated just days after she was found dead that morning. So there was no option for another autopsy. They ask their chief if they can find another pathologist to review the notes and see if they too agree with the original doctor. Detectives also decide to interview anyone who originally knew Corey and Curtis back at the time of death. They're going to reopen this case. Wow, okay. Corey's mom, after talking to the new detectives, begins questioning if her daughter's death was really an accident. There was no reason for her to think originally that it wasn't, but it it did feel weird and she kind of just kept it closed up all this time. Yeah. Detectives also question Lindsay, the daughter, um, who was now at college, and he asks her about her parents' relationship and that Valentine's Day morning. And Lindsay says that her mother had been up and walking that morning. She had, in fact, been alive up until they all left for school, which corroborates Curtis's story and also corroborates the ME who showed up and said her body was still warm. She just barely died. Around this time, the new pathologist was reviewing the reports. Like the detective, she feels like the death of the victim had to have been about 10 to 12 hours before those pictures were taken. So the night before Valentine's Day, not the morning of. So this this new doctor reviews the autopsy report and said this person did not die that morning. She died the night before. Oh my gosh. Okay. But Lindsay, who was- I don't know. No, no, no. no, no, I don't know. Lindsay, who was- I have a couple theories, but I don't want to like- No, tell me. Tell me. One of my theories is it was the student, the ex-wife that was actually walking Erica? around. Erica and not uh-huh. the mom. Okay. My other theory, kind of crazy. Maybe he dressed up in her clothes and put a wig on and walked around. To I don't kind know. of trick the kids. To trick the kids. Because the oldest was only 12. Uh-huh. I mean, I don't know. I, well, I guess you know. So let's go. <laughs> I actually hadn't, like, I hadn't thought about Erica. Okay. So um, that's an interesting theory. Did you think about the dressing up as a... 
in her clothes? No, I don't think so either. Maybe I'm crazy. No, it's a good theory though. I didn't even like think of anything. I was just like, what the heck? Like, how could that be? And how could that be? Because Lindsay just said she saw her that morning. Yep. And the pathologist suggests, like the original officer, that something was underneath Corey's arms when she died. And that's why they were stuck up. And then it was later removed after rigor mortis had set in explaining why they were stuck in that position. The abrasions around and inside of the mouth suggest suffocation occurred. That's what this new doctor says. And this new pathologist rules the manner of death as homicide. Um, So two pathologists, two conclusions, two detectives, two conclusions. Yep. Was Curtis given the benefit of the doubt earlier because he was a pillar of the community? I mean, he was a lawyer. He was he sat on the board of the school like he was in the National Guard. I mean, it, it wasn't like he was an easy suspect. That's what I was going to say, too, is he was a lawyer, right? So yeah. he knew what to say. He, he knew, knew the cops. Do. He knew he knew how to act. Yes. And um, like were the cops like, there's no need to question it. This guy didn't kill his wife. Like yeah. he's a great guy. Which... I, I think I would, I mean, I think I'm in the same boat. We haven't really gotten to yeah. a conclusion yeah. yet. But there were no defensive wounds, um, no fragments in the mouth, and no signs of suffocation. If someone had got on top of her and suffocated her, there would have been bruises. Would she have scratched them? She's laid there while someone suffocated her. The only thing was a little abrasion in the mouth. So it's just confusing. It's confusing. I guess it didn't matter, though, because on Wednesday in August 2014, Detective Gibson arrested Curtis Loveless for the murder of his wife, Corey Loveless, back in 2006. You are not missing any evidence. This is all they have. And they arrested him. And they arrested him. Okay. All they have is this new pathologist who said, no, she died the night before. When we started podcasting, an online store was honestly the furthest thing from our minds. But now we're selling Murder With My Husband merch, and it's so easy because we use Shopify. And we really do. We use Shopify to sell our merch. I've been using Shopify for years, so it is absolutely amazing, easy to use, so intuitive. I love it. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. And it's great because they grow with you. So whether you're just launching your shop or you've just hit a million orders, they are there every step of the way. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. We've actually tried a couple other platforms before we started using Shopify to sell our merch and Shopify is just the best. Um, I've been using it for years, like I've said, and I just love having control over it and being able to do what I want. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. So sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com husband. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com husband now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com husband. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So Curtis is taken in and in his interview, he claims to not even remember if he took the kids to school that day. 
He's like, I don't, that was so long ago, you guys. I don't even remember that morning. All I remember is finding her. And I don't think this is that weird because trauma sometimes leaves our minds. Like we, we block it out on purpose. The detectives then ask if he smothered his wife with a pillow. And he says, no, I didn't smother her. They indict him anyways. And Curtis's world is now completely different than it had been the day before. Detectives wow. then bring in each boy from the family. And Larson, the four-year-old at the time, tells them in his interview that his mom didn't wake up that morning and that he had actually gone into her room to wake her up and he couldn't wake her up. So he just went back downstairs to hang out with his dad. He was four that morning and it's been eight years. But he remembers that. That's what he says in his interview. But the older two boys say, no, for certain, our mom was alive and walking around that morning before school. One of them even says, no, I had a full conversation with her. I remember the last words what? I said to her. That makes no, okay, this is crazy. And around the time of Curtis's arrest, we don't have any really details and we will not speculate out of respect for the family, but Lindsay had actually been cut off from the family and wasn't allowed to talk to her brothers and wasn't talking to Christine, his third wife, or her dad. So um, he gets arrested okay. and she's not involved with the family at this point. Got it. Curtis is charged with murder and pleads not guilty. His trial date is set. I'm, I guess I'm confused because how are they having a trial with no evidence? With all we've presented you. Not no evidence, but, but yeah, with all I've told presented me. you. Yeah. Uh -huh. So in January of 2016, also this is 2016. Like it's not like we're, you know, in the eighties or, you know, and it's like, oh, well yeah. we were kind of behind on the justice system. And no, I don't feel like there's any excuse. And don't get me wrong. I'm suspicious. Like something it, it, weird, yes, it's weird obviously happened. So I want to know yeah. what happened. <laughs> so in January of 2016, the trial begins and Curtis is facing 20 to 60 years in prison. Cameras were not allowed in the courtroom. The state brings up, you know, he didn't call 911, the dropping off of his kid at the mother-in-law's house and just bluntly telling her your daughter's dead. He never tried CPR. Did Curtis get special treatment from the cops because of who he was? The neighbors testified about their rocky marriage and the fighting. Prosecution also says that Curtis smothered Corey with a pillow the night before, making that injury on her mouth, and then let the pillow sit there overnight, and her arms were resting on top of it, and then that morning, he removed the pillow because it's evidence. Obviously, it would have her DNA on it, and her arms stayed in that position. Oh, okay, I could see that. When Lindsay testified, she tells jurors she's no longer sure that she saw her mom that morning despite the fact that she had told cops twice okay. that she had. She claims that she just told the story that she was always given, that that was the story, that mom was walking around that morning. And so that's what she told police. But she doesn't actually remember anything. She says, it was very traumatic for me. I, I literally don't remember much from that day. And the state also says that there was a two-day gap between the death of their mom and the interviews with the kids. This kind of does leave room for dad saying over and over, I don't know, guys, she was walking around. She even talked to you like a couple yeah. days ago. When you're a kid, I mean, even I am like, wait, what day did I eat that? You know, it's hard to remember. And she had been sick for a while. So did they just mix up their days? Like, no, yeah. mom was sick, but she came down and made breakfast. Well, was that Sunday? 
was that Monday. The only scientific part of this case at trial is the picture of the body being in rigor mortis. And this was determined years after, not at the scene that day. But that still is no direct tie to Curtis. Like even though that body, the timeline is off, that still is not physical evidence tying him to the death, right? Yeah. It's just weird. Could you suffocate someone without any other evidence besides a cut on the lip? How was the body warm? Two police touched her body and both of them wrote in their notes her body was still warm. Okay. Why do the older kids remember seeing her that morning? The oldest recalling the conversation that they had. Because her body wouldn't have been warm the next morning? No. No, once, if rigor mortis is set in your body's cold, your body drops temperature as, and I'm not quite sure like how much it drops per hour or whatever, but your body drops temperature because you're dead. You're no longer having any movement. Your body, your organs aren't moving. Yes. So you drop temperature as you go, but her body was warm according to two to two reports from that oh, day. Oh, I'm confused. Was Detective Gibson just eager to close this case because he had only been a detective for a week when he was sifting through those cases. So he was promoted. The guy who reopened this case had been promoted a week before and was going through old cases because, you know, it's good to come in and close a case yeah. right off the bat. It proves something. Was he just eager to close a case and get one under his belt? And that's why he rushed into this decision. You know, she did have a significant disease in her liver. She was throwing up a lot. She was drinking a lot. Was this natural death due to health concerns? The jury had all these same questions that we just talked about. And because of that, it was six guilty, six not. The judge declares a mistrial. That's crazy that it was split half and half like that. Exactly. But can Curtis and his family go through another trial? Or should he just plead guilty to second degree murder because... When a state loses a case, it's in, it's it's or a mistrial, it's it's embarrassing, and so they are going to retry. They're gonna get that closure. Mm-hmm. Curtis and his new wife say, "No, we are gonna go to trial. You are not gonna say that you did this because you didn't do it." And so they yeah. get ready for another trial, but they're completely out of funds because they spent all of their money on this first trial yeah. on a good defense team. So this is when the exoneration project hears about the case and they decide to take the case pro bono. What's the exoneration project? So the exoneration project is when people it, uh, do research into a case and f- get in contact with the defendant and they feel, feel like he's, he's, not innocent. Or, yeah, he's innocent. So he's serving in prison for something he didn't commit. And Wait, so the, he's in prison? This is the first case the exoneration project has done where the person actually hasn't been sentenced yet. But they're going to try to prevent a wrongful sentence. And so most of the people they help have been sitting in prison and they get them out of prison for wrongful conviction. Okay. So they take it pro bono and all of the friends gathered enough money to get Curtis out of jail on bail. So he'd been sitting in jail for two years because these trials take a long time. So he'd been sitting there and they're like, he can't sit in there and wait for another trial. So we're going to get him out on bail. They raise the funds, they do it. So he now has a new defense team for this trial. I guess I'm confused how he was sitting there though, if he was, if it was a mistrial. Because you can either sit in prison while people prepare for your trial or you can get out on bail. Even if it's a mistrial? Yes, even if it's a mistrial, because they just re-arrest him. It's different than being not guilty? Yes, it's different than being not guilty. It's a mistrial. They this the next day they rearrest him and say we're charging you with this crime again. Wow. Okay. So he was gonna sit there again. Mm-hmm. 
The new trial was moved to a city about two hours away because they said it just everyone in this town knows about this. He was such a pillar of the community. He can't get a fair trial here. This time, cameras were allowed. And so in March of 2017, his second trial starts. There were a couple different things at this trial. And one of them was that Erica, um, Curtis's second wife, the student, testified at this trial. She she didn't testify at the first trial. And she states that during their marriage, Curtis was drinking a lot and he was physically violent towards her. And that when drunk, he once blurted out, she was writhing underneath me. And Erica was like, what? And he was like, oh, nothing. And then just brushed it off. What the heck? During cross-examination, the defense confronts Erica about her allegations because when she reported abuse during the marriage, she had said, Well, actually, she had had an injury and she told them, oh, it was an accident and didn't include any details about him actually hurting her. Um, And that's not that's not like rare. That's common even for like a domestic abuse situation for them to claim it was an accident. I don't hold value in that as Mm -hmm. much. But she also went down afterwards a huge list with the defense of everything else Curtis had done to her during their marriage, blurting out at the end that he had been poisoning her, just like he did this, he did that, he was doing this, he was he was even poisoning me. And the defense actually did this on purpose. What else did he do? What else did he do? What else did he do? His Whoa. own team asking. Because by the time she finished on the stand, she came off extremely exuberant and unbelievable, even oh. crazy. They like made her have meltdowns like got it and just kind of go on a tangent about him and then turned around and said, she obviously just hates him. Got you know, it. Like she obviously just wants to see him suffer. So it didn't work. It worked for the defense instead of working for the state. And the big blow that came at the second trial was the responding EMT officer who testified at the second trial but didn't testify at the first trial claims that he had moved Corey's arms when he arrived to check for heartbeats, follow protocol, and this was before those pictures were taken that were in the file that basically started these trials. So this EMT gets up and goes, Oh, I moved her arms into those positions so I could get to her chest. Oh, wow. And then they- That changes everything. Yes. So then they bring up the detective who reopened this case and they say, did you know that? He's like, no, I didn't. I I was not aware that he moved the arms. And they were like, but those pictures, those were the sole reason you reevaluated this case, right? And he just kind of sits there and then he goes, Yeah. Yeah, like that's the reason we reopened this case. And now we just figured out that possibly her arms were in that position because the EMT had moved them before photographs were taken. After a seven-day trial, the jury came back only after two hours of deliberating. Okay. Not guilty. 11 years after Corey's death and 2.5 years for Curtis and Jell, he was now convicted not guilty. Holy crap, this thing is crazy. One, because I'm still confused how she died. Two, because he was in jail potentially for something he, I mean. Well, he's now been convicted not guilty. Not guilty. So it's what happens then? Like, it's just the whole thing's crazy. It's insane. So as of 2017, I couldn't um, really find much recent information. And I also don't love like getting on Reddit and reading the 
hometown gossip version of it because it might not be true. And Mm -hmm. we're talking about real people and victims. So as of 2017, according to reliable sources, Lindsay hadn't talked to her family still, even after the trial. Corey's mom has kind of kept her opinion to herself about whether or not she thinks Curtis did it. And Curtis and Christine moved out of Quincy after he was, you know, uh, convicted, not guilty. And they started their own exoneration programs to help people get out of prison who are not guilty. Okay. This case is hard because kind of what you were just saying, if he didn't do it, he not only had his wife die unexpectedly, he also had two and a half years of his life taken away. But if he did do it, it's horrible for Corey and her family because there's this huge question mark about how and why she died and was it murder? Was it just an accident? So it's just kind of like a, it's a hard situation. And I was going through and reading comments on these articles and someone mentioned that if Corey that morning had had a seizure due to lack of eating, right? She was not only had an eating disorder, but she was sick. Most of us don't eat a ton when we're sick because, you know, like we're we're already not feeling good. So she hadn't been um, eating anything and was obviously drinking alcohol. There was alcohol on the nightstand next to her and had liver like failure. She had a disease in her liver. Number one, a lot of times people with seizures end up biting their tongue. That's a really good point. Or they end up with a lip injury. Like they tell you to make sure to put a pencil in their mouth or something because they'll hurt their mouth. And that's the only abrasion that they found on her body. And number two, could her body have stiffened faster because she had a seizure and then kind of stayed that way? So when the EMT moved her arms, she was still like in a weird position, even though rigor mortis hadn't set in because she had been seized up. Yeah. No, Does that a, make sense? That's a really good point. And to me, that kind of explains the early rigor mortis. Also, she was very tiny. Rigor mortis sets in faster depending on your body weight. The lighter you are, the faster it comes. Um, also, like air temperature affects how fast rigor mortis sets in. And so to me, I'm going to take the stance that this was an accidental death. Yeah, I was going to say I... And usually we don't take stances. I know. I and that's the thing is I'm. I mean, I'm. That's just my personal yeah, no, opinion. I think according to what you've told me, I would say not guilty. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. I just think that's what I believe. But also, there's always a question mark. I mean. But yeah, I don't. I didn't go to the trial. Yeah. I'm going to say he probably didn't. According to all the evidence, it doesn't seem like he did it. Well, I just don't know how the body would have been warm. Yes. And the first, I feel like it means and a lot. And the EMT literally said, "Oh, well, I, I moved put her, her arms. In that like position. I moved her arms up so I could get to her chest." Mm-hmm. And then it's like, well, if she had a seizure, her hands might be funky shaped. I don't know. Crazy. All right. That's, that was crazy. It's insane. But I do really feel for the family because there's still this huge question mark of how she died. And if he didn't do it, which I'm going to follow law and say he didn't because he was convicted, not guilty. This is also hard for him because his wife, he doesn't know how she died either. I mean, he just came home and found her. Yeah. And so it's just horrible. That question mark. I just, it's already horrible to begin with, but I... I know that it could help with some closure. And so this one's just difficult because we don't have full closure on exactly how she died. Yeah. But yeah, that is the case of Corey and Curtis Loveless. Crazy. How he almost almost went to prison. It's almost a cold case, but not really. Yeah, because I mean. It's been solved. It's been closed. Yeah, it's been And then reopened and then tried twice. So, and then they Mm -hmm. just reclosed it. They didn't like try to find anyone else. Yeah. So it's pretty crazy case. 
But if you want to see the imagery we were talking about, you can watch any of our episodes on YouTube and we include a lot more imagery on there. Or you can just check out our social media, Murder With My Husband. We include all of the important graphics on there. And also there's some conversations in the comments. You can talk about if you know any more information about this case or any details that were left out or anything like that. It's awesome. If you want to check out our Patreon and support the show, the Patreon link will be in the episode notes wherever you are listening. And we will see you guys next week for another episode. I love it. And I hate it. Goodbye.